stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, it's an early start to my day and to my next guest day as well. But it was worth it. It was a really interesting event today. It was the uh, Global Petroleum Show 2019 Election Dialogue event. So it was a panel of uh, some media types, including myself, also Jen Gerson and, and Jason Markasov. And uh, pollster Janet Brown was there to engage in, in some conversation, but also present some, some really interesting new polling numbers. Kind of a snapshot of where we're at just under two weeks away from the election. And also, you know, what's on the minds of voters? What what are the concerns people have looking ahead to April 16th? Because this this is an election, I think, like none other that we've had in Alberta, um, maybe ever, but certainly in, in recent memory. So let's, let's get into all of it. Janet Brown, uh, opinion uh, research and pollster, uh, is in studio with us here. Janet, great to have you with us here. Thanks, Thanks for, for having in. me. And it was a really interesting presentation th- this morning. You made some interesting points about kind of the, you know, the nature of, of polling and the importance of good polling. Um, and the one thing you said, you know, you kind of compared it to being a weather forecaster, or contrasting <laughs> it from being a weather forecaster. You're not giving us a forecast. You're, you're giving us a, a snapshot, right? Yeah, I think pollsters get into trouble because they think they're prognosticators. They think that polls foretell the future. And, you know, what polls do, polls give you a snapshot in time. They're a great way of figuring out what went on yesterday. Um, you know, I think we've had lots of examples in Calgary and in Alberta lately of polls that were wildly different than the actual election outcome. Yeah. Um, so I'm big on methodology. I think it's really important that if you're going to put a poll out in the public sphere that you've really gone to a great deal of trouble to make sure that your methodology is solid. But even if you do everything right... The best a poll can be is accurate on the day that it was done. So, you know, that's, this poll was about sort of trying to get a sense of where we'd be in the middle of the election campaign. Um, we, we weren't sure when the debate was going to be. It was just kind of ironic that we, you know, put out a poll the day before the debate. And so I think this is a good indication of where the parties are going into this critical debate. Um, but, you know... Th- post-debate, we could be looking at a completely different circumstance. And it's interesting because a lot of people, you know, their eyes glaze over when you get into the nuts and bolts of methodology. And, and it's it's tough for the, the layperson to understand how this all works, which maybe makes it easier for you know, push polls and sloppy polls to get out there in, in, in the media or just in popular discourse. Because it's it's tough for the average citizen to to understand and notice the difference between a, a good poll and a not so good poll. Yeah, well, you know, I think when you really um, tell people sort of what's behind the polls, I think intuitively people know which polls they should be trusting and not trusting. Yeah. The problem is is that the media will report these polls and not always be very you know detail oriented about what's behind the polls. So. Um, you know, with changing technology and the changing population, it is getting harder to do good polling. Like, you know, don't let anybody tell you it's not hard to do polling. Um, but I have stuck with a methodology that involves using live telephone interviewers. So it's an expensive methodology, but I still think it's the best way to get your average Albertan. So we um, have a telephone um, company that we use up in Edmonton called Trend Research. They make the calls. You know, when they call, you don't have that pause where you're saying, hello, hello. Someone gets on the phone immediately. They explain they're doing a poll. And we give people some options. We say, you can do it now. I'll call you back at a more convenient oh, okay. time. Or I'll send you a link and you can answer it online. 
And the reason we're doing it that way is we're trying to make it as easy as possible for as many people as possible to participate in the survey. We're trying to maximize the response rate. The fewer people that refuse us, the more people who agree to do it, the more comfortable we can be that our sample represents, you know, uh, the population at large. Which is what you want. Right. Uh, and the other thing is, and we we're talking out the air about this, you know, whether polls can kind of influence people. I mean, if, if people look at a poll and say, oh, you know, my, my team's got it in the bag, do they become <laughs> apathetic? Or does someone look and say, oh, no, so-and-so might win. I better make sure I vote or maybe I should change my vote because I don't want to waste my vote and we got to stop so-and-so. Do you think that 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 happens? Yes, I'm of the view that polls do have an impact on elections. I mean, some people just think, oh, no, they don't have a They're they're, they're just entertainment. Well, if they weren't important, why would you release them? I do believe they can have an impact. And because they can have an impact, I think we all have a democratic duty to make sure that if we're putting polling out there in the public sphere, that we really have done our best to try and reflect what public opinion actually is. And, uh, because, and, you know, yeah. our, our friend Stephen Carter talks about, yeah. you know, polls can be used as a weapon. And, uh, you know, there's there's uh, if you take a page from the Stephen Carter campaign handbook, you know, week two is a good time to put out a poll that looks like your party has momentum <laughs> when it really doesn't. Yeah. And um, so I think it's really important that, you know, we scrutinize polls and, um, you know, we uh, we don't just assume they're all true. All right. Well, let's go through some of your numbers. And, you know, it's it's not going to surprise people that the biggest issues uh, on, on the minds of voters are related to jobs in the economy. That, that's that's the dominant theme, really, isn't it, this time around? Yes. And that's when, you know, we, we like to ask a, a completely open-ended question when we do polling. We don't give any people any prompts. We let them tell us what they think the most important issues are, and then we try and categorize them later. And, you know, for the last three years, people have been telling us jobs in the economy are the most important issue. But in this, in, in the last few months, pipelines have really popped up. People are saying we need to get pipelines. We're going to get the economy on track. Interestingly, right after the 2015 election, I went into the field and asked people what their most important issues were, and they said health and education. And Albertans had been saying that for the previous 15 years. So, you know, going into this election, the electorate's in a very different mood than it was in the 2015 election. We're very much focused on jobs and the economy. We're back in 2015. We were focused on our social services. Right. And so does that does that benefit or, or hurt certain parties? I mean, do, do are, are certain parties attached to certain policies and that right, voters, I, I trust so-and-so to deal with this, but I might trust so-and-so to deal with that? Yeah. So uh, about a year ago, which is a long time in polling terms, but actually the, the, the data hasn't changed very much in, in a year. But a year ago, I did a big poll where we looked at... Um, you know, various issues. We asked people, you know, which party's best able to manage these issues. And when it came to sort of the the social issues like managing LGBTQ rights and, and those sorts of things, the NDP scored really high. But anything that was economic related, getting a pipeline built, stimulating the economy, increasing employment, all of those things, balancing the budget, yeah. um, you know, managing the, the, the province's finances, all those things, the UCP scored a lot better than the NDP. Which sort of segues then in, into the horse race numbers, as it were. And maybe then if if those are the prevailing issues, it's not a surprise that we see the, the UCP, with for now anyway, or at least in this poll, a, a fairly comfortable lead. Yeah, I mean, the results I have, um, I show a 19-point lead for the UCP. And that is really consistent with every poll I've conducted in the last 18 months. 
Um, you know, ever since the PCs and the Wild Rose merged together and formed the UCP, they've had this, you know, big lead over the NDP. I was thinking, though, maybe when these results came in, that we'd start to see this race tighten up. We've had other polls that suggest the race is tightening up. But my poll doesn't show that. And my, my theory for that is... I think at this point in the campaign, there's still a lot of Albertans who haven't really engaged that much, haven't paid much attention. And those people who are engaged um, are hearing a lot of negativity. They're hearing a lot of issues that concern them, but they might not have heard something that has changed their mind, that, you know, their mind was set several months ago. And, you know, we're hearing a lot of negativity, but is it new information for Alberta voters? Right. And, you know, one of the points I made this morning was, you know, I've said it on this show that I think a lot of people have made up their mind. Mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of decided voters that, that knew weeks or months ago how they were going to vote. But I, I may be discounting the number of undecided people that are out there because obviously, you know, just because it's a polarizing election doesn't mean we're going to necessarily set records for for voter turnout. Mm-hmm. Do you know offhand what turnout was last time around? Oh, it was it was down around fifty percent. I mean, it wasn't yeah. it, it wasn't great. Um, so there, are, but there, there are a lot of people who just who don't vote. Well, exactly, and uh, you know, people ask me all the time. You know, how many people in your poll were undecided, right? And in this poll, we had twelve percent. And I think people make too much about the undecided level in a poll. Um, actually, the undecided you come up with sometimes has more to do with your methodology and the order of your questions than it does sort of a true sentiment in the population. Yeah. And I always say to clients. Don't worry about the 10% of people who don't have an opinion. Worry about the 30% who do have an opinion and and will not show up and vote on election day. Right, because someone who's undecided in a poll is is maybe someone who's hasn't yet made a decision but intends to vote. Right, right. right. Or and there's the, somebody who who will just be undecided right to the end right, and will and sure. will opt not to vote because, yeah. you know, they don't see that there's a clear choice that matches their their priorities. Right. So, in, 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 and I say that then in looking at whether the NDP can somehow overcome all of this. And, and so it's not necessarily that they have to win over people who say they're going to vote UCP, mm-hmm. that, that, that there are other potential voters out there that they could try to, to win over. Yeah, and there's always a portion of the population whose votes are up for grabs. And, um, you know, like I, I, my poll in one way makes it look like, you know, the electorate's really baked in. But I also think that, um, you know, to a certain extent, people just haven't really engaged yet. And those, and there are some voters, particularly younger voters, who really do leave it up to the last minute to decide. So, um, you know, yeah, I think at this point, the UCP has a very large lead. It's going to be very hard for the NDP to overcome it. But that's the great thing about elections is anything can happen. And um, that's true. And and I feel confident this poll was I feel confident this poll was an actual accurate reflection of what's going on today. But post debate, we get another big scandal. You know, when when things change in politics, it changes quickly. Oh, indeed, it does. But but certainly these numbers look favorable to the UCP. The Calgary numbers are almost pretty much identical to the overall numbers Mm -hmm. in terms of of a lead. And Edmonton is is very competitive. Rural Alberta is is pretty overwhelmingly UCP. So if if you're a new Democrat and you're looking at those numbers, it, it would have to be discouraging. Yeah, you have to be discouraging, but, um, you know, you also have to be optimistic too, right? So they're going to look at these numbers and they're going to say, where is our path to victory? So right now it looks like they could win most of the seats in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. And, but probably even the most 
optimistic NDP supporter would realize they, they don't really stand much of a chance in rural Alberta, yeah. that there's probably only going to get a handful of, you know, maybe a handful of seats in, um, in outside of Calgary and Edmonton up for grabs. So the path to victory for the NDP is to turn things around in Calgary. And how do they, how do they turn things around? Well, it seems like they're zeroing on Jason Kenney and they're trying to make people doubt the integrity of Jason Kenney. Um, our poll shows that pipelines and the economy are the number one issue. But mm-hmm. the poll also shows that Rachel Notley is a lot more popular than her party and Jason Kenney's less popular than her party. If the NDP can make this an election about leadership, they will be competitive. If this remains an election about the economy, it's going to be di- very difficult for the NDP. Yeah, it's an interesting point because we, we've noted, I think a lot of people have noticed that in the NDP branding, that it's much more about playing up Rachel Notley and the <laughs> NDP brand, even... You know, signs that, that refer to Rachel Notley, signs that don't have the NDP logo on them. Uh, but it, it is true. I mean, as 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 challenging as it as, as it has been for them, people do still, I mean, they like Rachel Notley. They may not vote for Rachel Notley, but people seem to like Rachel Notley. Well, I would say that Rachel Notley is polarizing. I mean, people do like her, but, but in our poll, we found about half the population approved of the job she's doing as premier and half the population disapproved. And we had virtually the same numbers for Jason Kenney. Obviously, it's a completely different audience of people who think Rachel Notley's doing a great job versus think Jason Kenney's doing a great job. But it seems like a stark contrast if 47% say, I think Rachel Notley's doing a good job, but only 34% say they would vote NDP. right. That, that's interesting, isn't it? Yes, and I hear this all the time in focus groups, right? People say really positive things about Rachel Notley. I mean, even people who are right-wing voters, you know, will say, I remember doing these one focus groups and we, we separated the right-wing people from the left-wing people and I asked them to start to tell me things about Rachel Notley and the right-wing group started saying these glorious things and for a minute I thought, is this the right-wing group? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think this is why Jason Kenney is so careful not to criticize the premier in any sort of a personal way because he knows even among his supporters, um, people admire Rachel Notley. But what people tell me in focus groups is she is good, she's hardworking, she's got Alberta's best interests at heart, but she's got a weak team around her and she's too adherent to NDP ideology. Well, and, and there's the Justin Trudeau factor because... You know, as well, Jason Kenney pulls his punches when it comes to Rachel Notley. He doesn't when <laughs> he it does comes not. to Justin Trudeau. And then you can circle back and say, oh, by the way, that they're they're good friends. So right. And, <laughs> and, 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 and Jason Kenney is very careful not to, you know, lash out directly at the premier. So what he does is he he says, I'm not going to hit you. I'm going to hit your best friend. And then he tries to sort of yeah. get at her through association of uh, of uh, with with Trudeau. I mean, if you were dropped in from another planet and you're just trying to catch up with the election, you'd actually think that Jason Kenney was running against a guy named Justin Trudeau and Rachel Notley was running against a guy named Jason yes, Kenney. You <laughs> um, it, it was, you know, in 2012, social issues became a big narrative at the end of that campaign, probably mm-hmm. tipped the campaign. It, it, it could prove to be that way this time around. There's some controversies, obviously, dogging Jason Kenney. But when you go back to to the when you when you just ask people unprompted, you know, what are the most important issues? Like nobody said really any kind of social issue or GS. Nobody's giving those answers. But what's your sense, though, of how important they are? Yeah, or very small numbers of people are giving yeah. those answers. So those answers are being eclipsed by people saying they're concerned about, you know, about jobs in the economy. Um, and so I think, you know, there's people out there that care about those issues. There's a, Those are core issues for them. Um, but 
but you know there's a far greater constituency of people out there who are concerned maybe not about whether there's going to be a GSA in their kids school they're more concerned about whether there's going to be a job after school for their kids right, right. and um, and it feels right now like Albertans are sort of their values are being pitted one against the other I think Albertans have more in common than possible and I think that more more in common than they don't and I think really it's it's um, how are these issues playing out in in your life right like is are your, is your family feeling a big economic burden or not? Um, you know, I did this poll not too long ago and we asked people a question. We just said, how easy or difficult is it for you to meet your monthly expenses? Mm-hmm. And four in 10 Albertans said it was very or somewhat difficult to meet their monthly expenses. Yeah. Yeah. And as soon as I saw that number, I got this visual in my mind. I imagined standing in line at the supermarket, five people in front of me, and two of them are thinking about putting something yeah. back. That's a reality for a lot of Alberta families and, um, you know, and, and maybe that number wouldn't shock you if it was a poll from Nova Scotia, but it's shocking that, you know, in Alberta, people, you know, people are feeling that they're struggling. The funny thing about that question was it was somewhat related to income, but we had a lot of people across the income spectrum who okay. said they were struggling because, you know, they might've made an economic gamble based, you know, back in 2012, bought a big house, never thinking they'd lose their job and then lost their yeah. job. All right, Janet Brown, Opinion Research, online at planetjanet.ca. Thanks so much for coming in here today, Janet. Really appreciate this. Thanks for having me. All right, that is uh, pollster Janet Brown. My name is Rob Breckenridge. We are back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.